Hey everyone, welcome to the Five Beer Plan. My name is Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll talk domestic road trips, hop hacks, finish my chat with John Dispenza from the Drinking Socially podcast, and review Cezanne de Raves from Perennial Artisan Ales. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, I'm going to explore ale trails. With the ever-increasing presence of craft breweries across the country, ale trails are a great way for local business and chambers of commerce to join forces and provide greater visibility to local brewers. More often than not, after visiting a predefined number of breweries and getting a physical or a virtual stamp, it'll come with rewards, ranging from stickers to pint glasses to t-shirts. The early days of ale trails had the handy passport book, which was a great way to promote local breweries and businesses. Nowadays, it seems that everyone has a cell phone, and so the passport apps are all the rage. I personally like the physical reminder of the completed passport book because it takes me back to a region, vacation, or a particular year when I was on the hunt. This is why ale trails are the best and the worst thing that ever happened to me, because I'm a collector. Always have been always will. When I was younger, I'd scrounge through the half-ton load of limestone spread across our driveway looking for fossils, which were mainly brachiopods, crinoids, and corals. In my preteen and early teen years, I collected baseball cards. I used to go to card shows and flea markets looking for the hard-to-find card or two that I needed to finish my favorite team or complete the year's set. I've gone through phases where I've collected stamps, I've collected coins. Now, it's the Ale Trail beer gear. When my beer journey picked back up in the early part of 2015, I discovered the Grand Rapids Beer City Ale Trail. In the state of Michigan, it is the oldest and certainly best known in the region. If you haven't heard of Beer City USA, you must be living on a different planet. The last figure that I read was that there were over 80 breweries in the greater Grand Rapids area, which means there are lots and lots of choices. My brother lives about 30 minutes away from there, so over the years, we've had ample opportunity to explore the vast number of choices there. And if you're wondering, yes, I am a Beer City Brusader, and I have just a handful of stamps left to achieve ultimate Brusader status. Another great area for beer here in the Midwest is Columbus, Ohio. There are over 50 breweries in this region. I have had several opportunities to visit this area in recent years thanks to my daughter being part of Ohio 4-H, which meant yearly visits to the Ohio State Fair and the 4-H State Conference. The Columbus Ale Trail ranks as one of my most enjoyable because it expires every year, so that means the rewards are different every year. One of the first years we were there in Columbus, my wife and I went out to get an early lunch, and as usual, I had a flight. The waiter asked if I had my passport yet and at that point I'd never even heard of it. This would be the beginning of some great pub crawls as I hit the first tier of rewards for volumes 2, 3, 4, and 5. My favorite would have to be volume number 3. This was the year where you could get a taster glass for the first five tiers, and then a reclaimed wood flight board for finishing all 37 stops. The night we arrived in Columbus, it was getting late, but I managed to hit three stops that were near the hotel. The next morning, knowing we had about six hours, I figured we could hit the second tier, which was 11 stamps. What ensued was an epic day, covering about six miles of Columbus, both by foot and by Uber. 
It ended with my running down North High Street to claim my prizes before the Columbus Visitor Center closed at 4 p.m. It was close, but I made it. And I have the two taster glasses to prove it. Some other really great ale trails I've participated in are Oregon's North Coast Craft Beer Trail, which spans the Pacific Coast from Cannon Beach to Astoria. Breweries in the Gorge that covers the greater Hood River area along the gorgeous Columbia River. The amazing Ballard Brewery District north of Seattle, Washington. The Traverse City, Michigan Ale Trail. The Cleveland Brewery Passport. The Holland, Michigan Handcrafted Passport. The Northern Indiana Beer Trail covering the area between Angola, Fort Wayne, and Granger, Indiana. And finally, Northwest Ohio's 419 Ale Trail. Though you might be able to cover more ground on your own, traveling the ale trails are much more enjoyable with others. So whenever you have a family vacation, a business conference, or just a plain old pub crawl road trip, always do a little bit of reconnaissance ahead of time to see whether an ale trail exists and take someone along. I guarantee you won't regret it. This week's hop hack ties in well with the pursuit of an ale trail. While in full flight of the Ballard Brewery Passport Prize of my first ever silicone pint glass, my brother-in-law graciously agreed to go along with me. I'm not sure he realized what he was getting into as we spent a gorgeous April afternoon of pub crawling. At one of our first stops, we both looked over the tap list. He ordered a pint, and I ordered a couple of tasters instead of an entire flight. I don't exactly remember how the conversation went, but he had not really realized you could do that. Again, with the increasing popularity, most breweries will offer beer flights in their tap rooms. This means they will have the necessary 4 to 5 ounce glass who are used for said flights. So if you ask them, many will allow you to purchase individual tasters a la carte, which means you can try a few beers and not get filled up. Welcome to Barstool Banter. I'm continuing my conversation with John Dispenza from the Untapped Podcast. John, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, thanks for having me, Brian. What is your least favorite style at the moment? Oh, man, this is like an <laughs> this is a, like a proper interview. Okay, the style that I get least excited about is uh, sorry, England, like an English IPA or a malt-driven IPA. I grew up drinking bitter West Coasts. I guess like even like Sierra Nevada's Torpedo and stuff, but I, I came into IPAs drinking Bitter West Coast, learned that New England's were a totally different thing. Anybody that learned how to drink IPAs drinking New England's had it easy. But when I get into a malt-driven IPA, which I usually associate with uh, English style IPA, that's just a no for me. I want my malt-driven beers to be malt-driven, but not super hoppy. So that's the one that, that'd be the last one I ordered on okay. that 30, 30 tap wall. <laughs> Well, if it was me, I'm not a, a huge fan of coconut. And it seems like uh, a lot of brewers today are adding coconut, especially to your uh, Russian Imperials, the real high ABV barrel-aged stouts. I've never been a fan of coconut. I don't choose coconut. And if it's something that is a coconut forward beer, I will avoid it like the plague, personally. <laughs> <laughs> no offense if you're brewing a coconut beer. It's just not one I would go to first. Uh, that's If we were both at the same bar, I would be all over that coconut one. It's understanding that you dislike the coconut flavor. Yeah. I'm not throwing any shame your way. Yeah, if yeah. someone, I don't know, made a, a, I can't think of a flavor I don't like right now because I'm just a hungry kid. But if someone made a capered IPA, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably want to talk good. to the brewmaster and ask him what they were doing. But 
or what they were drinking before they came up with that beer. <laughs> well, is there any beer out there that, so let's, we'll call it our, you know, our, our, our wish list. I mean, is there any beer out there that you've wanted to try or can't try because of distribution or location, or maybe it's something that, you know, was 10 years ago that was like the best ever, you know, barrel aged, you know, beer and, and, you know, you can't ever recover that. Uh, is there anything out there that, that you'd look for at the moment? Uh, yes. There's none that I can remember. As soon okay. as you ask the question, they all flee out of my head. Um, it, I think of, uh, there's a beer I had a while ago, two beers that I had that I'd like to repeat. So I'm going to start with these because they'd be easier. There's a brewery in England. I think they're called Ilkley. And the beer they made was a stout called the Mayan. And it was like a, like a Mexican chocolate stout, a little bit of smoke, a little bit of heat. And it was one of the first times I'd ever experienced like a, like a Mexican hot chocolate style stout. Mm -hmm. Now you can generally find one pretty easily, but that I would love to re to try that again. Um, Or I guess, okay. So now we're learning what John's actual favorite is New (laughs) Belgium, uh, larger brewery. They do a lips of faith series and you can usually get it in some distribution. And they did one called Coco Mole. And it was just a, like a one shot. They bottled it. They did a keg. And as much as I've emailed them, they haven't done it again. It was the same thing. I think that was a Mexican style, hot chocolate porter, okay. smoky, chocolatey, uh, just delicious. And I was still, this was like five or six years ago. So I, I think I would be able to appreciate it more now. I'd love to get back after those. Otherwise it would like my whale beer is made from a brewery called hair of the dog. And it's a beer called called Dave. And I think only five exist. I don't even know anything about it. I just want that because I want to be part of that darn club of people that have experienced that beer. And I'll admit in saying that I am sometimes sold by the hype. If, if I was going to choose a beer for years, it was Pliny the Elder. And yeah. uh, one of my work colleagues actually sent me some in the mail uh, last year. And so I finally got to tick that guy off my list. Free Floyd's is about three and a half hours from where I live. And they just recently had their Dark Lord release. And I've heard great things about Dark Lord. Haven't had it yet. So if, if I was going to choose a beer that I would go after, that would probably be the one just because it would be uh, attainable and within uh, a reasonable distance to uh, to drive to. So as a person that's never been to the three Floyds, but has been fortunate enough to have a friend who is willing to share it. Uh, that beer I remember drinking, um, which is, I mean, I've, I've drank a lot of different beers at this point. It's almost a profession. And I remember that one. I remember looking at the color of the wax and trying to determine which, cause they'll do like marshmallow variants and stuff. So mm-hmm. we got it. We looked at the wax. We went to their website to try and determine, you know, what year and, and which one it was. And it, it was, it lived up to it it was a stout it was like putting a heavy blanket on your face and just uh it was good it was good i'm jealous when you get the opportunity to go there and drink it that i won't be there well, you never know if the uh, the beer fairy may send something in the mail. That sometimes happens. <laughs> the beer fairy is a great, <laughs> great employee, great citizen of the world. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need an elf on the shelf. You just need a beer fairy. So, uh, additionally, you know, you, you mentioned that there were some that have been out of production. So, of course, we've been talking a little bit about the Grand Rapids uh, brewing scene. Uh, New Holland Brewing, of course, has their Dragon's Milk series, and probably. Four years ago, they had one that was a a mint variant. 
and it was it was like drinking liquid girl scout cookies it was so amazing oh. with a little bit of bourbon kick to it but they of course they change it every year and they haven't returned to it yet so i keep waiting for them to return to it so i can buy a bunch store it up and then drink it over the next four years especially this my favorite part about those big imperial stouts is you, you're more than welcome and probably benefit sometimes from yeah. grab and grab four drink one every year for the next four years and right. oh man and that one sounds i think i remember seeing that on the shelf and thinking mm, mint uh no i'll go for your maples and your vanillas but mint kind of scared me away now i regret not buying it yeah one of the other things that i was thinking about you know we were talking a little bit earlier about about the untapped festival and that they had some some really amazing breweries that were there we were talking about a place called vitamin c which i'm fortunate to get to be able to taste my first uh, beer from them. What breweries have you heard about recently that are doing some pretty amazing things? Like where I live, where, where the Bat Cave is uh, close to where I live. If, you, if you're in my neck of the woods, there's two breweries. Uh, one of them uh, is New Anthem. They're like the North Carolina Treehouse. They don't okay. maybe, you don't even heard of them like you've heard of Treehouse, but they do IPAs incredibly well. And that's why I would send you there. If you didn't yeah. tell me that you wanted an IPA, I would tell you to go to a different local brewery called Flying Machine, who also makes IPAs well, but they do, they kind of run the gamut. They would make uh, like a, a Czech Pilsner and do a Maliko pour, and you'd get this kind of world-like education, and they do fruited Berliners, and you could get like a nitro red ale. So there's a little bit more of a gamut going on there, depending on what you want to get. Those two breweries aren't part of the question that you asked me, though. You mentioned Vitamin and see i think they're amazing um i've never even had their beer but the reason i think they're amazing is because now whenever i mention a, a brewery that had like collective arts tired hands 10 hands dancing gnome some of the east mm. coast breweries that yeah. get a lot of excitement without a lot of distribution if i know your name and you don't even distribute in my state you're doing good stuff and Wait. whenever i talk about them someone all lately for the last year has been saying oh yeah but you got to check out uh vitamin c as well so uh, i'm jealous you're gonna drink them soon too man Brian. All right. It's time to open a bottle shop. <laughs> yeah, I think my wife would probably agree with that. I keep There's... telling her that I need to have my own beer fridge, but it hasn't quite got that requisition through uh, billing yet. So we're working Christmas on that. Is coming. Maybe just drop some, leave like, leave the, the Sears catalog under her pillow and yes. stuff, like open to Great the beer idea. fridge page. Great idea. <laughs> oh man, speaking of being a kid, I, I brings back so many memories looking through the JCPenney or the Sears catalog, just you know going through the toy section and Picking out those things that uh, you wanted at Christmas time. Yeah. Oh man, it's simpler life back then. It was just it was like toys instead of beer. Now, um, <laughs> but, but at least the toys in the in the J.C. Christmas catalog I could get. When I see beers now, I'm like, well, I might not even might not exist anymore. I might right. not distribute near me. You, you've probably heard, I know you've heard of them because you've probably heard me tout their praises, but uh, one brewery that I've been especially endeared to is Omnipolo mm -hmm. out of Sweden. And yep. they put like Sweden and, and Norway on the map for me. I think there's a lot of talent in those two countries that doesn't get enough appreciation. And Omnipolo, to their credit, has never made a beer that I didn't fall in love with when I tasted it. Weird stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some, some amazing stouts, some fruited sours, some fruited beers. You can tell what kind of things I like. Yeah, um, yeah. but my favorite part about them is their owner, proprietor, brewmaster, uh, Hennick got his start, didn't even know much about beer, but started his career uh, at a place called the Bishop's Arms, which is kind of like a popular, almost like a Buffalo Wild Wings overseas. Started there, learned that beer is really cool, and eventually, you know, took that kind of entry-level position and created what's, I think, one of the best breweries in the whole entire world, just by chasing that passion. And I love that about craft beer. If you're passionate, you can learn. And if you learn, you can do it. And if it is really good, I'll be drinking it across the ocean and celebrating you. So bravo. Yeah. And, you know, here in the Midwest, I mean, there's so many places that are doing great things. Uh, Like I said, I've mentioned, you know, Brass Ring. I think they're one of my my favorites just because I like the tradition uh, that they're bringing back uh, in their beer. Uh, You're kind of going back to their roots because they are very much English oriented as far as their, their malts and their, uh, and their grains that they use. There's just so many great breweries here in the Midwest. And that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That's a good totally. thing. Totally. Uh, a lot of good choices, uh, a lot of good opportunities. So if all pizza was pepperoni and cheese, then no one would like pizza. It's Absolutely. a bad analogy, but the fact I that agree. we can go out and get, we could drink a brown ale one day, we can drink a stout the next day, and you don't have to get kind of tied to that where all beer tastes like Cook's Golden Anniversary, not to not to <laughs> throw them down the stairs, but you don't, you don't enjoy drinking beer if it's all cooks all the time. <laughs> right. I'm going to throw one final question out at you. If you were a beer, what style would you be and why? Oh man, these are great questions. Okay. If I were a beer, if we were asking my wife, I'd probably be like a super bitter barley wine because I'm <laughs> old and angry, but we're not. We're asking me. And instead of just trying to pick my favorite beer, I would probably go with a high level, like a wheat beer. If we got really specific, it would be a wheat bock a Weizenbach if we were overseas. And I would do that because there's a lot of wheat beers. I'd like to think that if you met me at your local bar, there'd be a familiarity. We could talk about beer and I would be like an old friend, like your wheat beer, but a little different like a wheat bock. And that's mainly it. Like the main difference that I'm pushing for that bock, that lager yeast, because there's a little bit of a difference there where you might think you're just grabbing a wheat beer. And then all of a sudden it's like super banana from the yeast. There's a little bit more time invested into it. And I do that with everything, you know, whether it's (laughs) painting the front porch and then repainting it because it wasn't perfect. So I think that (laughs) that slow lagered yeast would match like the kind of familiarness of a wheat beer with the stubbornness of, me. Um, so wow. Weisenbach, that's hopefully what I would end up being. That's a great response. Very deep. <laughs> I've been going to therapy too. <laughs> <laughs> so if it was me this very moment, I would be a pastry stout. So I'm a big guy, so I'm stout. So I didn't, I didn't think deeply into the grains and things. I also like to smoke meat. Stouts often have that great smokiness to them when they come from the grain, but I'm also a softy at heart. You know, I'd have that little bit of a sweet touch, you know, that might come from you know, the, a raspberry or a cherry or something that you would add into, uh, into the, the pastry stout. So just something that's a little bit sweet. A little bit rough around the edges, but uh, overall, just something that's comfortable and easy to drink. Dude, I love that. And I and I think you're absolutely right. For anyone that can't see you, if I met Brian in a bar, I would I would assume he left a Harley out front. And then when he laughed and he told me a joke, I'd be like, wait, this guy's really nice. So I think that's a I think that's an awesome answer. And also now I want to drink one. 
So if you're looking for one, go to your local bottle shop. I had one last night from Duclaw. It was called Naked Fish, and it was celebrating their 25 years of of beer, but it was a, a chocolate raspberry pastry stout. So I, I like coffee. It, it reminded me when I used to drink chocolate raspberry coffee, then it just has this massive, you know, raspberry f- notes that hit you, you know, full on in your face, take that first sip and it's got that silky smooth chocolate. And then it just finishes up with that tart raspberry. I'm telling you, you need to find one. Man, the way you described that, you could have been talking about a fancy dessert after a four course <laughs> meal, you know, like silky chocolate and the like, and and it's it's a beer. I love that about yeah, craft beer. Um, absolutely. That it that it can. Yeah, that sounds incredible. It, it, was, um, it was it was pretty darn good. And, and you know, if we just keep kind of going off that whole idea, brewing's all about chemistry, right? So if if you did well in chemistry or science in school, you probably could be a brewer. But you know, the way that the brewers manage to you know add, like you said, lactose to give that little bit of softness to it, or you add a nice dark malt that has roasty flavors that get you that coffee feel. How many times have you had? like a, a blonde ale, a blonde coffee ale, and you, you pick it up and you're like, oh, this is going to be like, you know, my lawnmower beer. And you take our hit of it and you're like, whoa, this has like so much coffee yeah. on it. it. It's it's just so surprising what uh, what kind of flavors uh, or untitled art. I had uh, peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and jam, something like that. It was a, a sour and it had just a little hint of nuttiness on the nose and it tastes, I mean, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't know. It's magic. It, it, I prefer to think that it is magic because I couldn't imagine like deconstructing some untitled art incredible at taking you know you, you you can go shopping at the beer store today and you can see beers that say key lime pie and peanut butter and jelly sandwich and some of them are going to get close but it, when it when it is magic i think i i when it is magic is when you're like wow i am drinking a 5.6 percent beer but i am fully thinking of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich down to the crackeriness and the bread and the creaminess of the peanut butter how did they do like absolutely i can't even make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that good sometimes <laughs> and that and that's one of the things that i i hope to uh, to accomplish during my podcast moving forward is to actually sit down with the brewer themselves uh have one of their beers together and and kind of get an idea of where where they were when they were concepting you know the beer uh, you know what kind of you know hops do they use what kind of malts do they use yeast and just trying to get maybe a little bit more in the mind of the brewer so uh, that's something i'm kind of getting getting excited about moving forward is uh, is being able to do such things i'm i'm excited to listen and hear those things. The questions you asked me, I mean, they seem simple, but when I had to answer them, I can't wait for you to ask uh, the brewer at Brass Ring, you know, what type of beer they would be, yeah. uh, especially especially <laughs> with their very traditional approach and cask beer. It's like the final frontier for us here yeah, in the absolutely. States. We've gone and created more new beers than we've actually drank in tradition. Show me a casked pastry Roush beer. I Ooh. probably don't want to drink it, but I'd try it. Awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate you spending some time with me, you know, just sharing a little bit of your beer journey and and thoughts on beer. I look forward to uh, uh, maybe more segments down the road. Cheers, John. Cheers to you, Brian. Thanks, man. Thank you. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm going to drink and describe Cezanne de Rave from Perennial Artisan Ales out of St. Louis, Missouri. Saisons are an interesting style if you've never had one. The Oxford Companion to Beer has this to say. French for season, Saison is a traditional pastoral ale that had originated in the farmhouses of Wallonia, the French-speaking region of Belgium. The historic style is characterized by low alcohol, a light body, and high carbonation. It will typically have a fruity or spicy flavor. 
According to legend, these brews were the drink of the saisonniers, migrant workers who came to help with the harvest. As was common practice in the days before artificial refrigeration, brewers would make beer seasonally. From late fall to the beginning of spring, the weather was cooler and more favorable for controlled fermentation. In farmhouse breweries, this was also the time of year when there was less work to do outdoors. Farm brewers would spend the cooler months building a stock of provision beer to drink during the entire year, particularly the summer season. The practical goals in brewing Saison were threefold. To refresh the seasonal workers in summer, to make work for the full-time farm workers during the winter, which was a period of unemployment on a farm, and to produce spent grain, which served as quality feed for the livestock in the winter. Beer was therefore brewed in one season, winter, to be drunk in another, summer. Kind of cool. No one alive can be certain of what a typical Saison tasted like several centuries ago, but we can assume that they were different from modern versions. How different does anyone's guess? Given that these ales were produced by farmers and not full-time brewers, and the fact they were not sold commercially, is reason to believe that these saisons were probably made with little mind to repeatability. With the unpredictability of the growing season and the practice of crop rotation, it is probable that these brews were made with varying amounts of different grains, such as barley, wheat, rye, and spelt. In years when hops were scarce, herbs and spices were likely substituted. In other words, these farmer brewers made their saisons with whatever was at hand, this legacy lives on in the variations on a rather loose theme that defined the modern Saison. This is a collaboration with Brasier de la Seine. The description from the brewer says this. This is the second installment of our 10th anniversary collaboration series. Conceived over a series of emails with our new friend and idol, Yvonne de Betz, we landed upon a spelt-heavy Saison recipe that speaks true to both of our outlooks on Saison. Snappy bitterness is coupled with a massive wave of melon and freshly cut wet grass from a dry hop of Huel Melon. Finally, we naturally carbonated Cezanne de Rave in cans and kegs for ultimate crushability. Drinking this beer reminds us of the freshly cut grass after a light rain of cantaloupe chunks, the first roll of a soccer ball over the morning dew on a chilly spring Midwest morning, and the version of He's Gone from the 10-15-76 show in L.A. Without further delay... So I poured this beer out into a tulip glass. This is uh, the type of glassware that I would have for, for such a, a beer. It typically has a lot of aromatic essence to it, uh, which is another reason that I choose this particular kind of glassware. This is only a 5.2% ABV beer. It's very light, uh, pale yellow, and it's not quite see-through, but it certainly is close. It has a nice head on it. It's kind of a, a fine head to it. Uh, very white, very pure looking. The one thing that I found the very first time I had a Saison was that it has uh, definitely kind of a, a funky nose to it. And if I take a, a few sniffs of it, what I can tell is that it, it definitely has the, the leanings of, uh, of the Belgian yeast. So your Belgian yeast is going to have a very distinct uh, aroma to them. It may seem a little bit off-putting, but once you take a few sips, uh, it'll, it'll come alive and you'll understand. Uh, so first sip, amazing. So it definitely has a little bit of a melon profile to it, which comes from the well melon hops. And it also has a little bit of a peppery spiciness to it, which uh, which I rather enjoy. Um, you know, honestly, it's a very, very easy drinking beer. And it's one of those that you could probably, I think even the description talked about being sessionable or crushable. I would 100% agree with that. I think I could drink this on a hot summer day and find it to be very refreshing. But it is a solid Saison. I love the profile. I love the flavors. Hey, cheers, Perennial. This is a good one. Let me know if you've had this one. And as always, if you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, 
direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. Well, that's all for this episode of the Five Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time when I talk domestic road trips, share another hop hack, and chat with Chris from Ice Tier Brewing in Bowling Green, Ohio. Remember to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5beerplan2022, and leave a comment and let me know what your favorite ale trail is. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends.